Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. One of the most common reasons that a person or a couple would come to counseling is because of communication problems. I think that I might have heard that more than any other reason that uh, two people would come to counseling. Uh, They will say, we just don't talk well together. We don't communicate. We have communication issues, and will you help us? And because of that, I thought that it would be essential if I developed some resources on communication that would be beneficial for a couple. Uh, to individuals who are struggling with communication, but also uh, for counselors, disciple makers, for pastors, small group leaders who could have something that they could give to folks who want to shore up their communication problems. Because it is so common, we are relational beings, and because of the doctrine of sin, our uh, personal fallenness, we can get in those moments where it's just hard to communicate well. And so I trust that what I have for you will be hugely practical and beneficial. And of course, you can read what I'm about to share with you from our website. You can also watch the video presentation and you can listen to the podcast. Hello, everyone. I am Rick Thomas, and this is lifeovercoffee.com. That is our street address, and we would love for you to come to our sanctification center. Our resources are free, and so if you want to do a deeper dive in all things communication, we have a lot of resources that will benefit you. Of course, we have resources on hundreds of other topics as well. Our ministry started in 2008, and we have been producing a lot of content that speaks to all things pertaining to life and godliness. And so come on by. The resources are free for you to benefit from, but we also encourage people to share what we develop with others so that they too can be beneficiaries of gospel-centered practical content that hopefully will bring transformation to their lives. Now, what I want to talk about here, I've titled it, The Most Perfect Relationship that you will ever have. Now, this is going to be a three-part series, and so this is just part one. Because it's communication and because this is a common problem, I wanted to develop several resources so that you can really do that deeper dive, and I hope, again, that it will be truly beneficial to you and also your friends. And so let's talk about the most perfect relationship you will ever have. We are relational beings because God created us in his image. And you read that in Genesis 1.26. God, who has always belonged to a Trinitarian community of Father, Son, and Spirit. Well, he made us in such a way that we desire to belong to a reciprocal community. You see, made in the image of God, in part, it it means that that we have similarities to God. You see that in James 3.9, where he talked about the similitude of God, that there is a similarity between the Creator and His creation. And one of the most intrinsic qualities that the Lord put into us is a desire to commune, to communicate, to live in community with others, those who are like us. 
course, the challenge is securing those trusted relationships where we can talk about the deeper and more meaningful things of life. And as you know, as we all know, sometimes that can be challenging. So how do we navigate a desire to want to communicate, but yet there are these fallen obstacles all over the place? Well, I want to say that there is a a path forward. And maybe a good way to start talking about this path forward is to go back to the beginning where God created the first man in his image. To want to relate to other people is godlike. It is imaging our Trinitarian God. A reason the Lord created Eve was so that Adam could more adequately reflect his creator. You see, God said in Genesis 2.18 that it's, it's, it's not good for Adam not to have a companion. It's not good for Adam to not be in community. I mean, there was no object to receive Adam's love. And if Adam could not He could not adequately image God if he could not have someone to to love, to share love with. Adam would not be able to know and to experience or emulate God entirely. God is love, but Adam could not love someone like him. It's like talking about ice cream versus tasting ice cream. Adam could only understand love from his heavenly father, but he could not fully experience it until he tasted it until he could do what God was doing to him, loving another person. As some people say, you cannot understand a person until you walk a mile in their shoes. Well, Adam could not walk a mile in the Lord's anthropomorphic shoes because Adam had no person like him to walk in a similar path. Adam's life would have been a dead-end street. It would have a dead-end street feel to it without someone like Eve. And our life would be the same if we were not communing within a community. And one of the most extreme expressions of this is solitary confinement. I mean, if you want to punish a communal being who is created by a communal being, then what you do is you put them in solitary. That is one of the harshest punishments, long-term punishments that you could inflict on another person. Well, the Lord saw this problem, and he deemed that it was not good. It was not suitable for Adam to be alone, and so he gave him a friend, a partner. He gave him someone uh, to him so that said so that uh, Adam could, for the first time in the history of the human race, he could live out a fuller reflection of his creator by having an object of his affection. Of course, this is Genesis 2. And then we turn the page into Genesis chapter 3. And that's where the author introduces us to a a walking, talking, stalking serpent. And we know the story. Adam and Eve chose to sin. And from that point forward, every person born from them was, was selfish. The love that Adam was supposed to give to Eve turned onto himself. Eve reciprocated with a similar kind of self-centered love. 
Rather than seeing the other person as an opportunity to image God through other-centered care, our first two parents became self-serving. Adam and Eve replaced what Paul said in Philippians 2, esteem others more than themselves, where they were esteeming themselves more than others. It's what our culture calls today self-esteem. Selfishness is how sin transforms us into an inverted, insatiable love cup. The Father, knowing that selfish people could never save selfish people from themselves, He sent His other-centered Son to reverse the curse, the problem that Adam and Eve perpetrated on humanity. And now the gospel experienced through Christ gives us an opportunity for a second birth to be born again so that we can be re-equipped, re-envisioned, and rerouted for how things are supposed to be. And even though the God-centered community of Adam and Eve was interrupted by their fall, the possibility of enjoying an others-centered community is available to anyone who wants it after they are born a second time. The purest iteration of this kind of reciprocating community is the Father, Son, and the Spirit. They are perfect koinonia. That is the Greek word for community, for fellowship, for participating together, for koinonia, communicating. Nothing is more refined. Nothing is more exquisite. Nothing is more profound than Father, Son, and Spirit, co-equal, co-mingling. And if you want to enjoy the most perfect human relationship possible, then the Trinity has to be part of that relationship. Any human relationship without God is less than what it could be. It is less than what it should be. And that is why non-Christians cannot have true koinonia, true community. You see, the Spirit of God will not inhabit the natural person. Paul hinted at this in Philippians 2.1 when he talked about, he used this phrase, the fellowship of the Spirit or the participation in the Spirit. We need to participate in the Spirit to have the mind of Christ, to esteem others more than ourselves, to have this kind of koinonia with each other. The word participation is the word koinonia in Philippians chapter 2. It's also the word community. Did you know a, a husband and a wife can relate to each other well and have many beautiful experiences together still yet? There will always be something missing in their relationship if they do not, if they are not able to share their transparent, transcendent relationship with God with each other. That is the dynamic that is absolutely essential that only Christians can experience the purest form of koinonia or communication. To have a real community with another human being, both of those individuals must enter into a mutual, reciprocating, 
and effective participation, fellowship in the Spirit with each other. Let's suppose, just for illustration, that they are not participating together in the Spirit of God. In that case, even if they have enjoyed every possible human experience, they have gone skydiving, they have taken many trips together, they have celebrated birthday parties, they will never fully experience the koinonia that the Lord generously provides to any two or more people who want to participate with Him in that kind of community. Biblical fellowship is what I'm talking about here. Or you could say participation in the Spirit or community. Those three words, fellowship, participation, community, what they mean is is that you as a believer, that you are sharing your most profound personal relationship with another individual. Now that begs the question, what is your greatest treasure? What is your most profound personal relationship that you have? What is the relationship that transcends every relationship that you could possibly have? Well, that's easy. That is your relationship with God. And so to have community with another person, then what you're doing is you're sharing your greatest treasure, your relationship with God, with that other person. Think about the most potent and deep relationship that you can have. Well, it is with God, of course. There is no other relationship better than what you can have with the Lord. How could anything be better than the king of the universe, the person who created and sustains you, communing with you? There is nothing better. Suppose you want the most robust, profound, off-the-charts relationship with another human being. Well, if you want that kind of relationship with another human being, then you must share your sovereign creator king, the Lord God Almighty, with that other individual. If you do, you will share your greatest treasure with another person. How robust, how potent, How vulnerable, how intimate is that? Letting another person in on your treasure is the most vulnerable, intimate, profound, rich, transcendent, honest, transparent, and complimenting thing you could do for that human relationship. Now, in this article that I have produced for you about the most important relationship that you can ever have, I have an infographic that unpacks what it means to have a biblical, uh, have biblical fellowship, to have koinonia uh, with another person. Of course, real community applies to any friendship. So it's not just a husband and a wife. If your small group could do this, for example, if you had a small group of friends that would enter into this kind of kononia, then you would belong to one of the wealthiest groups in the entire world. Now, for those of you who are watching by video or listening to the podcast, what I would love for you to do is to go on our website and you get, get the article because the article will be essential. Again, the title of it is The Most Perfect Relationship That You Will Ever Have. Now, what I'm going to try to do here is I'm going to try to walk through uh, that infographic, but I really do, if you can, as you have time, uh, that you 
jump on our website and get that infographic. It, it is free. And so I'm going to try to describe it to you the best that I can. And so what you have are two people. You have a little yellow iconic person, and then you have a little green iconic person on this infographic. The yellow person, let's call him, let's call him Rick, okay? And then the little green person, let, let's call that, that person Lucia, for illustration. Now, both Rick and Lucia have an, an individualized, independent, vertical, personal relationship with God. Rick and Lucia enjoy, they're Christians, and so they enjoy the most profound relationship a person can ever have. That is God with them. Now, that's as deep, as profound as it gets. And both of them are participating in the Spirit. The Lord has inhabited them. The Lord has empowered them. The Lord has illuminated them. The Lord encourages them. The Lord motivates them by grace. The Lord convicts them. It makes them feel guilty when they sin against God. I mean, it is a robust, vertical relationship with God Almighty. Rick and Lucia have a whole relationship with the Lord, which means, implies, as you have heard, it includes all of their good and bad habits. That full experience with God includes all of their good and bad days. There are things that they're doing well in their walk with in their individual walks with God. And there are things that they have not yet fully matured into. And so on the positive side of things, their independent relationships with God, Rick and Lucia are appropriating the grace of God in their lives and they are enjoying biblical success as we would read in Joshua 1:8 biblical success with God and with each other. Of course, there is a dark side because they are not perfected yet, Rick and Lucia. And so on the downside, where they are not appropriating the grace of God in all the ways in their lives that they could, and in those cases, the Spirit of God can be grieved and quenched at times. And so what you have, Rick and Lucia, are basically representatives of all Christians. You could say that they have a light side. <laughs> They're walking in the light. They have a dark side. They're not fully mature yet. They still stumble. They still fall regarding their walk with the Lord. The right and the wrong of their whole selves represent how they do community, koinonia, with the Lord. And though you must be a Christian to experience this kind of community, being a Christian does not automatically mean that you have this kind of koinonia with the Lord or with another person, rather. Being married and being a Christian doesn't automatically mean that you're going to connect and relate to your spouse at the deepest part of your personal experience, which is that intimate knowledge and experience of God that I have been describing. I mean, two people can, quote, go to church for years and never enjoy that reciprocal biblical fellowship with each other. You see, that kind of community, it requires a more profound amount of trust to engage another person in the deepest part of their souls. 
especially when we start talking about the areas of our lives where we need to grow and we begin to share those vulnerabilities with each other. And you would want to give your most cherished treasure to someone, or you would not want to give this most cherished treasure to someone that you did not trust. And that is the great inhibitor. And that's why some people can coexist in what appears to be to everyone else like they are doing well. But that husband and wife, for example, they know that something is just not right between them because the trust and the vulnerability, uh, the willingness to be weak in front of each other is just not there. And so they create pockets of silence between them. They have a full relationship with God, both light and dark, both good and bad. But they can't bring that full experience into their reciprocal relationship. If the person you share your deepest treasure with cannot steward the high honor of receiving your best prize, then you have to disqualify them from entering into that experience with you, even if you are married to them. Regarding your relationship with the Lord, you may share part of your experience with your spouse, maybe the areas where things are going swell. You you may let your spouse know some of the things that you are learning or how you think about God and life. But if your spouse has a proven record of not being able to steward your deepest secrets, the more profound things will continue to be between you and the Lord. There is a level of koinonia you will not go to with your spouse or any other friend if they are not mature enough to handle the whole truth about you. There's a passage of Scripture that you're familiar with. It's Romans 8.1. It goes like this. It's a short sentence. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That verse, you and I, there are many things that we appreciate about the Lord, but probably nothing ranks higher than the fact that he does not condemn us. There is no more condemnation toward those who our Redeemer has saved. All of our past, all of our present, all of our future sins are under the blood of Christ, blotted out forever and never held against us in any heavenly court of law. We have been justified. We have been set free. We have been declared not guilty. As long as Christ lives, we will live in that freedom. And I've got good news. Christ will live forever. And that truth sets us free. It sets us free to enter into his courts, ready to share all the thoughts and intentions of our hearts with him, even though he already knows them, as we read in Hebrews 4. Why do we do this? We're very open and vulnerable before him because we're not afraid of him. We are aware that God is for us. We can be naked before God and not ashamed. I am describing the kind of relationship that every married couple should pursue with each other. That sort of koinonia is not going to happen in a year. 
It's not going to happen in a decade, but it is a lifetime of, of pressing into God and into each other. You see, what happens is when a couple starts dating, they are pressing into each other. They can't share enough. They can't talk enough. They can't be together enough. And then they are together 24-7 after they get married. And then they begin to realize things about themselves. And then that's where the separation begins. And that's where the communication problems ensue. Sharing the farthest depths of our experience with God should be the goal of every couple. You know, it is typical when people come to me for counseling to talk about how they are having communication problems. Communication comes from the Greek word koinonia. And I do not think that many of these couples, if any of them, really understand that word's basic contours, as I have been describing here. They would probably be more discouraged if they fully understood the depth of their communication problems as I have defined and explained here. What they are talking about, typically talking about, is that they're asking me for talk tips. Could you just give us some, some talk tips? Could you, would you just give us some practical advice to, so it would help them communicate well with each other? And I understand that. I, I get the behavioral approach, just give me some talk tips. They're trying to get along with each other. But they do not know how they might be a million miles from what the Bible talks about when it talks about getting along with someone. Christ did not come to help us to get along with each other by giving us talk tips. He came to transform us into himself. In heaven, there will be perfect koinonia because there will be no sin. On earth, we must fight for this communication experience in our relationships. There is a high price to enjoy communal participation in the Spirit. The biggest hindrance to koinonia is that we do not trust each other to handle the absolute truth about our lives. So what do we do? We do not go there with them. I remember the early days of our marriage, how Lucia would share certain things with her friends, something that she had not shared with me. And every time that she would do this, I would, I would get angry. It was an insult to me. And I would ask myself, why does she share her more intimate and personal thoughts with others, but she does not share them with me? Well, my first response, this is a bad response, but my first response was to become upset with her. Like, like, like there was something wrong with her, it took me a long time to realize that, you know, maybe my jerkness, maybe I was intimidating her from being intimate with me on a communication quantity level. It did not occur to me that she would not share with me because I was not mature enough to handle her truth. She knew she could share her more profound struggles with others, but she could not share those things with me because I was not trustworthy. Because of how I had responded to her in the past, she felt it would be wiser and safer, and yes, it would have it was, to not tell me or to not let me into the deeper places of her heart. It takes a lot of courage to share your struggles with someone else. It takes a lot of other loving maturities to steward those 
more profound matters of the heart. I've titled this the most perfect relationship you will ever have. This is going to be, at least at this point, a three-part series. You have just you have just participated in part one. But before I wrap this up, I do want to ask, I think, some helpful questions. Number one, as you have listened to this, what are your initial thoughts after hearing these things? And what I would love for you to do, if you have time, is that you would write these things, write down a few initial thoughts of, of what you heard so that they don't get away. I realize many, I realize many of you are or driving, or you're preoccupied in some other way, I, I get it, but I would encourage you to come back, and maybe you can go and retrieve the article uh, from our website, lifeovercoffee.com, the most perfect relationship you will ever have. Now, if you are not a journaler, a person who writes things down, maybe it would be good to uh, talk to a friend pick up the phone and say, hey, I, I was just going through this concept and I want to share some things with you because the more that we repeat stuff, the, the more that we engage others, the teacher will always learn more than the student. And so if you take the time to actually write it down, you're going to start cementing it into your long-term memory. If you can articulate these things to other people, well, again, you will cement it into your long-term memory, which is what you want to do. We live in a short-term memory world where we're flushing everything out at the speed of the internet, but this is too important. So the question is, what are your initial thoughts after hearing a few of these things? Number two, what is the meaning of koinonia? What is the meaning? What does it mean? Communication, participation in the spirit, fellowship, biblical fellowship. What is the meaning of it? Uh, just as a reminder, what it is, is sharing your most intimate treasure with another human. And of course, our most intimate treasure is God Almighty. And so we share our full experience of God with another human being. Our full experience of God is both positive and negative. And so that person that we're sharing with must be trustworthy. What is the meaning of koinonia? Number three, why can't you have this kind of relationship with an unbeliever? Now there could be there's two sides to there's two answers to that it it could be because of our shaping influences and uh, we live in anxiety and fear uh, the way the way that we are the things that have happened to us our, our predisposition that we're inhibited from from going deep or even trying to pursue that kind of relationship with another person so that's part of it Another part of it is that person does have to be trustworthy to steward your truth because we just don't blab our entire lives to just anyone. Uh, no, that person has to prove themselves to be able to handle your truth. The question is, why can't you have this kind of relationship with an, uh, 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 why can't you, uh, question number three, why can't you have this kind of relationship with an unbeliever? I think I skipped that question. Why can't you have it with an unbeliever? Well, the reason that you can't have it with an unbeliever is because you're sharing your experience with God with someone, and they, have, they do not have that treasure. God is opposed to them, and so there is no uh, intimate, transcending experience with God that they have, and so you can't do that. Uh, why is the participation in the Spirit necessary to live in a community with others? It is essential. Now, again, you're not going to have this with everyone, but we need to have it with someone. 
Are you currently experiencing real koinonia with a close friend? If you are married, that friend should be your spouse, but I know that it cannot, cannot always be that way. Uh, next question, if you are not experiencing koinonia, what is hindering you? Now, as I ask that question, I, I would appeal to you to start uh, with yourself and not with the other person. That, that could be an impulse for some people. Well, I would if they were. I get it. And there's probably some legitimacy to that. But you always want to start by examining the log in your eye before we go spec fishing. And then finally, uh, the last question, what are three practical things that you can do today to begin a deeper participation with a Christian friend? Perhaps, as I was saying earlier, that you would uh, take time to call someone, to talk to someone. You could share what, what I've been uh, saying here with them. Maybe you could share the article, the video, the podcast, and, and envision them so that you're working from the same framework, have the same context, explaining Konania's essentialness. And then after you uh, lay down that groundwork, you can begin talking about how you can develop that kind of relationship with each other. This is titled, The Most Perfect Relationship You Will Ever Have. It is part one of what is at least a three-part series, and I, I trust that as I develop the other three that you will uh, move through those and then collect them together, and, and they will benefit you tremendously as you uh, begin asking God to give you those trustworthy souls to where you can share your most treasured relationship, which is with him, with someone else. Thank you so much, and may God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.